From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 219 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I'm a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. I hope you're doing well and are safe. Coronavirus numbers in Arizona are at an all-time high. The last few days were averaging over 2,000, even one day over 3,000 new cases a day. The irony of all this is that this has gotten worse, not because the coronavirus as a virus has worsened, but because we as Americans in around the world are clearly refusing to take proper precautions. We seem to think that we should be able to do what we want. What about others? Do they matter? As followers of Christ, we must answer yes. So wear a mask without complaint. Keep physical distance whenever possible. And never forget that we are brothers and sisters with a responsibility to our Lord and to one another. In episode 219 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we will first discuss our Saint of the Week, St. Gertrude the Great, who is a true bride of Christ. We will hear a homily for the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time as we hear about the parable of the talents. In the segment Catholics in the News, we will learn about an archbishop, who, despite a personal tragedy, opposes the death penalty. In our segment, Truth in the Media, we will learn about a children's book focused on the evils of racism. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will try to understand what happened to a group of nuns in China. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from an archbishop about the meaning of suffering. All of this plus music from Mark Smeeby, who sings, How Great Thou Art. This and more on episode 219 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week Gertrude, a Benedictine nun in Helfte, Saxony, was one of the great mystics of the 13th century. Together with her friend and teacher, St. Mechild, she practiced a spirituality called nuptial mysticism. That is, she came to see herself as a bride of Christ. Her spiritual life was a deeply personal union with Jesus in his sacred heart, leading her into the very life of the Trinity. But this was no individualistic piety. Gertrude lived the rhythm of the liturgy, where she found Christ. In the liturgy and in scripture, she found the themes and images to enrich and express her piety. There was no clash between her personal prayer life and the liturgy. The liturgical feast of St. Gertrude the Great is November the 16th. St. Gertrude the Great, who lived as a bride of Christ, in union with him, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week Today's homily is based on the 33rd Sunday, or the readings for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. 
as we hear Jesus tell the parable of the talents. You know, in starting this homily, I think I'm going to do something I generally don't do, which is to talk about myself. I discovered yesterday in a call from my boss that my current company that I've only been with four months after getting laid off from a previous job due to COVID is going out of business and I will be unemployed within the next few days. To say I am devastated is an understatement. I'm scared. I've got bills up the wazoo. My wife, daughter, and I have been in the process of remodeling our house because we refinanced and planning to live here for the rest of our earthly lives anyway. Um, and, you know, it just all went away in five seconds. And now, how am I going to find a job? Oh my goodness, how am I going to pay my bills? All those fears come up. And yet, in reading these readings for this Sunday in Ordinary Time, it tells us that what we have in our lives are gifts. In the first reading for the book of Proverbs, a worthy wife, her value is beyond pearls. It's a gift, a gift from God. The parable of the talents, we're all given money, gifts, skills. How do we use them? Do we use them for God? Do they multiply or not? And even in my own current situation, I truly believe, as God has done before, that God will provide another job. For this job that I'm losing, and that the whole company, all the staff are losing, and the clients are suffering, are gifts from God. And we are ultimately stewards of them. But we often forget this, don't we, my brothers and sisters? We see what we have in our lives, like a job, like a wife, like anything, as our possessions. They're ours. And as ours, we do what we please with them. We can use them for ourselves. We can use them in a way that really is not intended by God to use them for. We can do what we want with what we have, or so we tell ourselves. And when we do this, we are not being stewards of what God is giving us. We're taking what God gave us and we're using it for our own selfish purpose. And that is not what the gifts of our lives are for. Our wives, our health, our jobs, our families are gifts. And as gifts, we have a responsibility to be stewards of those gifts. Now, what's the difference between a steward and an owner? An owner, just that, owns. The steward is given something that doesn't belong to him or her. It's not permanent. And a job, a wife, a home, or whatever is a gift that's not permanent because wives and husbands die, homes are sold. It's not a permanent state of affairs. So what we are called to remember is that the gifts we have in our wives ultimately belong to God. And as gifts of God, we have a responsibility to God for how we are to use those gifts. Now, for me, in this current situation, I pray that God will send me the job, lead me to the job that he wants me to take. You know, my wife said to me after I lost this job, you know, and I had other choices, you know, you made the wrong choice. 
I don't think so. Because this is where I believe I was meant to be. Four months, I know that was not what I was expecting. But it's a gift. But gifts from God, I reminded her and myself, don't necessarily last forever. We're sent somewhere on a mission to serve God. Whether it's for four months, four years, 40 years, it does not matter. So we are to understand, if we are to be good stewards, that we have a responsibility for taking the gifts and multiplying what God has given us. I leave this job knowing that I, not me alone, but me and the team of people working with me, improve the lives of the people we are here to serve. That's real. That's true. Yeah, it's ending, but we use the gifts God gave us for him to serve him, to love him, to serve our brothers and sisters, to be a people of love and compassion, who know that we are to be grateful for all our Lord has given us, and we are to carry out, ultimately, his will. So let us pray, my brothers and sisters, that we will be people of love, care, commitment, good stewards, who use our talents, our treasures, what we have as gifts from God, to love him, to serve him, to obey him, and to do his will. And now let us listen to Mark Sabibi, who sings that classic, How Great Thou Art. He bled and 
in the news. In 1948, Fred Neumann was an assistant manager at a St. Louis liquor store. One night a week before Christmas, Neumann told an employee to help him unload a delivery truck. When the employee refused, Neumann fired him. They argued, and then the man turned around with a pocket knife and slashed Neumann's throat. He died before he reached the hospital. Fred Neumann was 31 when he was murdered. He had been a minor league baseball player, a catcher in the St. Louis Cardinals system. He served in the Pacific during the Second World War. When he died, he had a young son, and his wife was expecting a baby. Born six months later, that baby was named Joseph Fred Neumann. Fred Neumann's son, Joseph, is now the Archbishop of Kansas City, and he is calling for an end to the death penalty. The suffering and circumstances of each family who has lost a loved one by a violent crime are unique, Archbishop Neumann said. 
I do not presume to be able to speak for all victims of murder. Yet I did witness how my mother struggled to provide for our family without the benefit of my father, in the pain that she suffered as a result of losing the love of her life. I also know what it's like for children to grow up without a father. In advocating for the abolition of the death penalty, in pleading for the federal government not to continue with the resumption of capital punishment, Neumann writes that it's not his intention to minimize the pain and loss of individuals and families who have suffered the death of a loved one as a result of a violent crime. My own father was murdered, he said. At the time, my brother was not yet two, and my mother was pregnant with me. Neumann, chair of the United States Bishop Conference on Pro-Life Committee, said that the Church's opposition to the death penalty is clear, and we have made many requests that the federal government should not resume executions. Yet not only has the government done so, they have scheduled even more executions, he wrote. The criminal justice system has a responsibility to protect the innocent from victimization and to deter the commission of violent crimes. However, in the United States in 2020, we have the ability to protect society from violent criminals without resorting to the death penalty. The Archbishop offered prayers for those who are on death row, for the victims of murder and their families, and for our nation that we may protect the innocent, assist better the families of victims, work for justice, and not respond to the murder of the innocent by continuing a cycle of violence with state-sanctioned killing. Archbishop Joseph Neumann, standing up for the truth about the evil of the death penalty despite suffering a personal tragedy. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media Everyone Belongs, a new children's book published by the United States Bishops Ad Hoc Committee Against Racism and Loyola Press, is a book about recognizing the image of God in all people, valuing our differences, righting wrongs, and being a people of forgiveness. It is my hope that Everyone Belongs will help families, schools, and parishes engage in conversation and reflection about the dignity of every person being made in God's image, says Bishop Shelton J. Fabra of Huma Thibodeau, Louisiana. The book is for children ages 5 to 12. It is aimed at helping young readers engage in conversations about racism. Inspired by the bishop's 2018 pastoral letter entitled Open Wide Our Hearts, The Enduring Call to Love, a pastoral letter against racism, the book allows young readers to reflect on the impact of racism in our society. Bishop Fabra oversaw the production of the book, illustrated by Kristen Sura. Everyone Belongs tells the story of Ray Akanga, a boy whose family free, flees violence in their home country to come to the U.S. as refugees. The family moves into a new neighborhood, but Ray's excitement is interrupted when someone spray paints, Go Home! on their garage door. Ray and his friend Sam recognize that something wrong has happened, and they take the initiative to change the situation. Sam especially must find a way to be brave, confront the spray painter, and stand up for his best friend. The story of Ray and Sam and their community shows us how to celebrate gifts from other cultures 
and welcome people into our communities. Everyone Belongs, a new children's book denouncing the evils of racism. This week's truth in the media. Due to pressure from the Chinese government, eight Catholic nuns have reportedly been forced to leave their convent in the northern province of Shanxi. Their current whereabouts have not been reported. Officials declared us dangerous persons and repeatedly harassed us, said one of the nuns. They asked us to write down what we had done since kindergarten and demanded to disclose everything we did over the past few months. They even wanted us to remember the license plates of the vehicles we used during our trips. The nuns have been under constant surveillance by the Chinese Communist Party because they used to live abroad and have refused to join the Chinese Patriotic Catholic Association, which is basically the communist-run state church, not Catholic. The government installed four surveillance cameras in the convent to monitor the nuns and their visitors. The nuns were also forced to remove religious symbols, such as crosses, statues of saints, or face the demolition of their convent. So let me get this straight. The Chinese government is persecuting a bunch of nuns, saying they're dangerous and forcing them to leave their convent? I know this is a communist country, but no way! This couldn't have happened. But it did! I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Archbishop Alexander Sample of Portland discussed recently the meaning of suffering and how Catholics should respond to it. We've been suffering through this pandemic, he said. We're suffering through these terrible divisions in our country and the remnants of evil such as racism and social unrest. In Oregon, which is where Portland, this is Portland, Oregon, not Portland, Maine, we've had these terrible wildfires, he said. Even though we know suffering is always there, it's a little bit in our face right now, and more so because of the usual course of things, or more than usual. It's important for Christians, he writes, to understand the meaning of suffering. Suffering, the Archbishop reminds us, is a mystery. But the Christian faith helps us to understand that suffering does have purpose. He said the questioning of how an all-good and all-powerful God can allow suffering is particularly important to answer in today's culture. God did not create evil or suffering. Rather, evil entered the world through disobedience of Adam and Eve and brought with it suffering and damage to creation. This fallen world, he said, has resulted in alienation of the human person from nature, even and certainly that alienation between people. So things like natural disasters and diseases and those thoughts of things that aren't the result of human action are part of a fallen world. It may be hard to grasp, but it wasn't just human beings that were affected by sin. The perfect harmony, beauty, and goodness of God that God put in his original creation has been wounded by that great sense of disobedience. But Christ's sacrifice on the cross has reclaimed suffering and given it value. Christ in his suffering gives a new meaning and hope and it's no longer void of purpose, as Christians can unite this suffering to that of Christ. This suffering has been redeemed by Christ. Suffering has value. I know that sounds crazy to people, he said, but Christ has given meaning to human suffering. 
It's no longer just an evil that has no purpose, no relation to anything else. Now in Christ it takes on a whole redemptive meaning, because we now participate in the redemptive act of Christ. By participating in Christ's passion, we are also able to join in his resurrection. Archbishop Sample noted that Christ's suffering were not merely physical, but that he embraced spiritual suffering as well, as he shouldered the total reality of sin, of evil, taking it to the cross. Then that means, he said, that the weaknesses of all human sufferings are capable of being infused with the same power of God manifested in Christ's cross. To suffer means to become particularly susceptible, particularly open to the working of the salvific powers of God, offered to humanity in Christ. In him, God has confirmed his desire to act, especially through suffering. While this understanding does not remove suffering, it takes on a whole new meaning because we see it in the light of Christ's redemptive act. Archbishop Alexander Sample, telling us the truth about the meaning of suffering. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we have come to the end of episode 219 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share or let me know how you're doing, please email me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Now, as I said in the homily, I am gainfully unemployed, and my main efforts at this point in my life, obviously, love, serve God always, but by his grace and by his help to find the job. That is all really I can think about right now in truth. Um, figuring out how to pay bills, support my family, obviously serve God in doing so. So I don't know what that means for the podcast. I will definitely record weekly something. It may be a special edition. Yes, I should in theory have lots of time, but I don't know if I can put together a full episode. I'm going to let the spirit move me on that and we'll see. So I'll be back next week with something. It may just be a special edition and a homily, or it may be a full episode. I don't know. But I would appreciate anyone who hears this to pray, not just for me to find a job, for all the staff of this company to find a job, and most importantly for the clients of this company to find a safe place to continue their treatment and their recovery. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.